Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, everyone? Thank you for checking out another week of The Incline. We're not going to make you wait today. The Dodgers, they have a four-game series with the Seattle Mariners. That's going to start tonight in Los Angeles. They're going to play two in L.A. and then go to two off in Seattle. We have another awesome guest today, and I'm going to let Jake introduce him, and we're going to get it started. All right. We are so pleased to be joined by former Major League pitcher, current Seattle Mariners analyst for Root Sports, and host of the Top Step podcast with Ryan Roland-Smith, it's Ryan Roland Smith. Welcome to the Incline, Ryan. Appreciate you guys having me on. You guys, are a huge series. The Mariners are uh, just killing it this year. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just coming to town. It's exciting up here. Everyone's pretty excited. That's for sure. Yeah, Ryan, I was going to be a little worried there for a second. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Ryan was born and raised in Newcastle, Australia. He played 17 years of professional baseball across the globe including five years in the big leagues. In addition to his four seasons in Seattle, Ryan had stops with the Astros, Cubs, Red Sox, and Diamondbacks organizations. He made his major league debut coming out of the Mariners' bullpen on June 22, 2007 versus the Reds. And the first batter he faced was former Mariner and future Hall of Famer, now Hall of Famer, Ken Griffey Jr. And of course, he struck Jr. out. I am sure, Ryan, that is a story you never get tired of telling. No, I've told it a bunch, you know, and, and it's interesting because um, there's a statue of, of um, you know, Griffey at, right behind home plate entrance, you know. So every time I drive past, I'm like, yeah, he's in the books. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's funny, man. Not, not many people know this. And I, the, the thing is, with my career, I was always that dude. I wasn't, you know, some, you know, big international signee, big prospect at all, right? Signed for like, you know, 30 Gs and off I went. But I, I, I get, a, I finally get a chance to get to the big leagues. I get called up. And we're playing the Yankees. 
And um, it's like a weekend series. They need like an extra left in the bullpen. So I go up for three days. And literally the last day of that series, I kind of had that feeling someone was coming off the DL, now IL. And I'm like, I'm going to be the dude getting sent down. And that's going to be my tragic story. I'm going to go to the big leagues for three days, never <laughs> sniff the field. I'm going to tell kids, I'm like, yeah, I got to the big leagues. And they're like, no, you didn't. I got, went on Google. You're not, you're not on here. Like, there's no appearances because I didn't get to pitch. And sure enough, I got sent, sent out. And I'm like, man, I've got to get back to the big leagues quick or, you know, I may never get another chance. I might DFA me for someone. And sure enough, I go back up and I'm like, okay, who, I go on Google. I'm like, yes, I'm going back to the show. And then I'm like, who are we playing? Oh, the Reds. I'm like, come on, man. Like, can't we just be playing like the Rays on a Tuesday, you know, with, with 12,000 people? The place was packed, dude. It was crazy. And uh, yeah, sure enough, Griff, Griffey, the first guy I get to face out, out, out of the gates. Uh, that's unbelievable. I mean, just such a thrill, honestly, and, and something that you can tell for the rest of your life. Um, so we want to talk about the uh, Dodgers Mariners series. You are yep. the pre and post game analyst for Root Sports and also ESPN. Um, they, the Dodgers are playing an interesting four game series. They start on Monday and Tuesday. We'll be here in Los Angeles and then yep. uh, Wednesday and Thursday we'll be in Seattle. Now, the Mariners, they've struggled this season, 7-16. and 16. The Dodgers, 16-7, and seven, sort of a mirror there of their records. Yeah. Nine and a half games back of the Athletics and the AL West. But they do have some exciting players to watch, including rookie outfielder Kyle Lewis, who's yeah. tied for the team lead in home runs with four. He's also batting three twenty-five in the year. And then, of course, there's Corey's brother, veteran third baseman Kyle yeah. Seeger. And this is actually the first time both players will be facing each other in an actual game so that's cool i wanted to get your thoughts ryan on who what type what players should dodgers fans be watching out for in this series yeah i mean you mentioned kyle lewis um you know the mariners obviously 2020 you mentioned the records they're, they're not built to win at all this year and the one thing the bullpen is struggling massively throwing strikes a bunch of young guys who are just trying to get their feet wet so this is not going to be something where it's you know Honestly, it's not going to be that competitive once it gets into that Mariners bullpen, man. It's, it's going to be a free-for-all. But a couple of these dudes, like Kyle Lewis, is just tearing it up. He was yeah. honestly – when the Mariners started this whole rebuild and they started trading off and selling off everyone and they started getting Jared Kelnick and, and uh, Justice Sheffield, Justice, Justin Dunn, all these names. Dude, Kyle Lewis is kind of like an, an afterthought. He had an injury and everyone's thinking, oh, well, maybe you know, it's not going to you know, work out. He comes up and, – and by the way, in double A, he didn't have massive power numbers at all. Comes to here in September and just tears it up. It was kind of like that, hey, I'm still the dude here. That's how it was. Then he kicks off this year, um, Justin Verlander, he's taking him deep. And he hasn't slowed down. He, he's been slumping a little bit. But he's going to be a stud, dude. He is going to be an absolute stud. Um, you guys aren't going to see Justice Sheffield. He pitched yesterday. Yep. Um, he's going to be a stud as well. I, I think you know, there's enough young guys. Evan White is, a, is the first guy who's ever gotten an extension, never played you know, on a major league field. Um, defense is insane, but he's just he's just scuffling at the moment. You know, kind of getting his he's kind of you know figuring out this is the big leagues. Because uh, one thing I do with some of these young guys when you watch them, they get told how special they are so much, and like, oh, you're awesome. Then they get to the big leagues, and, and all of a sudden they're like, oh man, these these guys are good. And I feel like some of them sort of have fallen flat on their face a little bit. But it's not a bad thing. But um, but definitely Kyle Lewis, man, he's a stud. Um, and then watching the, the you know, Corey and, and Kyle, Kyle never getting to play against each other, which is nuts. I think last time the Dodgers were in Seattle, I think – I want to say Corey had Tommy Jones. So, I think he was out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's going to be cool watching those two. Um, yeah, a bit of a bummer. The parents can't be in the stands and, you know, or at the game and stuff like that in the seats. Um, 
But yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of young good players. They're, they're just in a rebuild right now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so cliche. Everyone's in a rebuild all of a sudden. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's some, there's some good young players, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and as, a, as a former pitcher, I kind of wanted to highlight one uh, pitcher the Dodgers will face on Tuesday. That's Marco Gonzalez, arguably yeah. the best pitcher, starting pitcher on the staff. Uh, he's 2-2 two and two on the season, 3.97 ERA, only starter with an ERA under four, uh, 17 strikeouts, three walks, which is great, and then yeah. the only starter with a whip under one. So what can you tell us about uh, Gonzalez? You know, it's funny, and, and speaking to him, dude, he's, he's not throwing 98, you know what I'm saying? So he's completely under the radar. He's a stud, man. Every year he gets better and better, and every year it's like, okay, like last year, for example, the, the thing was, oh, okay, can you get through? He had, he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Can you get through August? Because he started to fatigue. But last year, he's like, hey, you know what? Screw you. No time on the IL, 200-plus innings. And this year, the big question mark for him was like swings and misses. So all of a sudden, he's taken that up. I've had him on my podcast, and he talks about it, just trying to find he, – he just finds ways to basically to prove anyone wrong that's, that, that – um, you know, says that there's an inefficiency here because he is, again, you're going to look at him and you're going to be like, oh, well, how long is this career going to last for? He's, you know, pumping 90, which is crazy. Everyone throws 95 plus. Dude, he, he basically, he can fastball, cut fastball all day long, mix in that breaking ball. But man, when he's throwing that backdoor, you know, backdoor cutter to righties, game over. He will go seven, seven innings, give up a run, zero damage. And then you kind of sitting in the dugout scratching head going, hold on, what just happened? That he, he's that kind of dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, if that thing's on that that fastball cut fastball combination, man, it, it's you're not going to get a whole lot out of him. Am I right in assuming that he's probably the pitcher the Dodgers should fear the most yeah. if they are fearing anyone? For sure. And then you know after that we've had you know Kendall Graveman who was with the A's. He's on the IL. Um, I'm just trying to think. We got Justin Dunn tonight, um, dude. And again, he's a young guy that we're not quite sure you know, what the makeup is, command. If he can get that command down, he, he'll, he'll shove it up some people's, you know, backsides as well. You know what I'm saying? So don't sleep on him, but definitely Marco is that, that consistent guy that's going to go, you know, six, seven, give up a run or two. And then you, you walk away thinking, hold on a sec, what, you know, what just happened? That's going to be, but definitely Marco in this series, absolutely, he's going to be Marco for sure. Definitely, definitely someone to watch out for. So I'm going to kick it over to David, who's got some questions for you. Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, my first question uh, is going to be, you know, when I was growing up, my, my two favorite players were Sean Green, who we had on this podcast last ah. week, and, uh, and Ichiro. And uh, you were lucky enough to play with him for, uh, for at least, I think, yeah. two years. Uh, so I just want to know, what was it like playing with Ichiro? Um, you know, I've heard some stories from other dudes about, you know, his work ethic, but I've also heard he was kind of a funny guy as well. Yeah. Um, so what was your experience with Ichiro in general? Well, first of all, I, so, so I played with him from um, 2007, 2010. He's a okay. fascinating dude, man. I yeah. used to sit there and just be like in awe of his routine. I got, for example, when if we stretched at 4.20 in the afternoon every day, like clockwork, he would walk out of the tunnel into the dugout at 4.18. <laughs> like, I, I swear to God, his routine, like every minute was like calculated. I've never seen anything like it. It was crazy. Uh, I got a chance, the best road trip of my life. I got to, we went to um, Atlanta, we went to New York, and we went to San Diego. Best road trip, and then this is why. First of all, go to New York. Um, Pearl Jam, who I grew up, I love Pearl Jam growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, they were huge in Australia. 
uh, loved them. Well, they're taking BP. I get to the field, they're taking BP. I'm like, oh, no. The, the, the next night, we're in a town car going, standing next on the side of the stage, watching them, get to meet them, the whole thing. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Um, that was my second year in the big leagues. And, and then from there, we go to Atlanta. And um, each year, I'm like, you know what? I'm buddies with his translator, Ken. I'm Ken Barron, who's the man. I said, uh, jokingly, I'm like, I'm going to ask him. There's an, there's an Aussie restaurant. I'm going to ask him to go there. Just messing around. There's no Australian. You know, no Australian. He goes, oh, no, why don't you ask him out? Go, you know, ask him if, if you can go have dinner with him. And I'm like, really? You know, oh, this is cool. Now, mind you, if this is like New York or San Fran, one of those kind of cities or LA, no chance because he's got all this stuff going on, right? Yeah. So we're in Atlanta. So um, he walks up to me. He's like, oh, hey, do you want to come to, you know, come have dinner? I swear to God, it was the most mind-blowing <laughs> two and a half hours. Just some of the stuff he was just offloading was amazing. I'm just sitting there going, whoa, this dude's on another level. And then from there, that's when I sort of had a relationship with him since then. And then, then we go to San Diego. I find out I'm going to make my first big league start. But the, the, the highlight for me, you're talking Pearl Jam, going to make my big league start, was hanging out with Itro, just right. being translator for two and a half hours. Yeah. Insane, dude. He's just so like um, – here's another, another story for you. With, with, yeah, with please. So, <laughs> all right. So him and, and – I've never said this publicly until this podcast right here. JJ Putts, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, he's with the Mariners, went off to the Mets, got traded to the Mets, right? There was an instance in 2008, um, a ball gets hit out. I'm just trying to, in my head, we're in New York, right? JJ comes in in the eighth inning, okay? And this is back in, in when <laughs> I was in the bullpen. It's like if, if we had like a slim lead, no one was pitching but JJ. You know what I'm saying? Like our manager <laughs> right. didn't trust anyone. So ball gets hit out to center field. We've got runners. That's right. They had runners on first and third. And um, Ichiro comes firing home, thinking he's got to play at home. And uh, it was Johnny Damon. It scores easy, right? Hideki Matsui ends up going a second. Base hit, well, he ends up scoring. So usually the book is, hey, look, let him score, throw the ball, keep him at first base, right. you know, say that, whatever. JJ is furious, right? Absolutely furious with, with Ichiro. Um, and he's like on the plane and he's pretty vocal about it and he's letting everyone know. And I was sitting there actually next to Ken Barron, get on the plane. Ken's feeling it too. He knows what's going on. And Ken's only a little dude, right? And JJ's like, in, you know, saying to him, hey, this, you know, your boy, this is bullshit, blah, 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 this whole thing. So then that all goes on. Um, and Itro knows about this, right? So then all of a sudden there's a, there's a rift between those two. And it's funny because I played with JJ in, with the D-backs in 2014. And, you know, it, I, I sort of tried to bring it up, you know what I'm saying, with him because it was a weird thing. Anyway, JJ gets traded years later. Um, Ichiro still felt, you know, um, what's the word, like, like dishonored or something. I'm trying to think of like a Japanese word or something. I can't remember what he said. But um, but basically, we're playing the White Sox and JJ's kind of like, you know, got back to being the dude and he's, he's pitched for the White Sox. He's got this scoreless streak going. I can't remember what it was, but he's about to break some record, right? And Ichiro's coming up to hit. And he goes and says something to um, to Ken. And I guess, you know, running over to Ken, what do you say? He goes, no, no, sh- you know, don't say anything right now. I was like, all right. He goes up, whack, base hit, run scores. So he breaks his streak up. Afterwards, he came in and he made sure it was like this thing that he made sure he was going to try and get him back. And that's, that's yeah, basically yeah. how he did it. It was nuts, dude. I've never, he's that dude that basically in, in, um, in spring training that he never really took seriously. He'd be, in the be- he'd be on the bench saying, I'm going I'm to hit a home run here. Bang, come up, whack it a home run. He's just a different dude, man. It's crazy yeah. playing with him. So you know? if I could just clarify, JJ Putz was mad that Ichiro didn't throw out Johnny Damon. 
he no, he was frustrated that he tried to attempt to throw at Johnny Damon. Oh, and the run got to second. The runner was able to go. Oh, balls out of my head. Boom! I can go to second base. Yeah, yeah. and then he I, he wrote he granted, that in. He, his... he, JJ had a point. I mean, you know, he, you know, for the play was probably whatever. But Ichiro felt like he could throw him out. He was shallow enough. Well, yeah, Ichiro felt like he could throw everybody out. Yeah, and he wasn't wrong yeah. most of the time. Yeah, but there was a bit of this and that, and then so like you know, Ichiro so he, he was upset with that, so he held on to it, and it's like he. Yeah, had his revenge, you know. Yeah, I mean? he put in his notebook and cashed it in two years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, that was great insight. All right, my final question is is about someone you brought up earlier, Jared Kelenic. Um, obviously, this is like the most hyped, you know, prospect in in the Mariners system. Um, it's not looking like a great trade for the Mets right now. Um, but you know, Edwin Diaz. I, I still, I'm still an Edwin Diaz fan. But but back to the point. What? Yeah. Um, if any interaction have you had with Kellenic himself and what's like the buzz, you know, within the organization around this kid and, and when can we see him? You think? Yeah, I I've had, by the way, I've had zero interaction with him in spring okay. training this year. It's funny. We got canceled. I got down to spring training and those rumblings of it. And literally I was there for two more days. And my big thing was, oh, I'm going to get to talk to Kellenic and, you know, maybe get him on my podcast. Just, you know, have a conversation with him. Right. And boom, I was, so yeah, I just stay yeah, home for yeah. two days and have to get on the plane. Um, so unfortunately, I hadn't had a chance to to, uh, to get around him. But the, I mean, the buzz is first of all physically on the field ridiculous. Right. The thing is with them, they want to. It's it's one of these things that they're they're kind of trying to build him up to be that team leader to 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 be the franchise guy. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I went to the winter meetings in San Diego um, in December, and front office people from other teams like oh Kelnick Kelnick's amazing Kelnick like I was like damn that's all I heard about and the kid played in double a last year it's yeah. just his buzz you know JP Rashadi's same thing was just like oh you know Kelnick it's this thing about him like that everyone knows how good this kid could be the one thing that you know I, I do worry about sometimes and you've seen this before where let the kid just get on let, let him get on get get him 100 100 at bat see where he's at and then yep. try and profile him to be a team leader you know not everyone's built to be like a, a team leader or whatever or whatever they that's the one little reser- reservation i have with mm-hmm. Kelnick. but man you watch him take bp he, he's on another level man he is a stud he's going to be really good that's for sure yeah. and he works right he works super hard and you know checks all those boxes but they're trying to like off the field they're really trying to push for these things that yeah, let him naturally get there. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. All right, cool. I was doing a little uh, research and I noticed you played some ball out in Taiwan. So I just wanted to know <laughs> what was that experience like Dude. and how is it different than MLB? So <laughs> that was a crazy experience for me. I've never been one to to quit. And I've played baseball all over the world, you know, like playing for Australia and you know, from you know, playing the Olympics in 2004, WBC yep. and the whole thing. So that for me was... I'll be honest with you. It was like end of my career. I was about to, I was talking to the Rangers and I said, what are my chances of making the big league team? Cause it's like, at this point, I don't have to go back to AAA and, and you know, do the whole thing over. And they basically said, well, we've got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> chances, I'm, you know, if the best case scenario, I'm going to AAA. I had this Taiwanese team hit me up and I had friends who played over in Taiwan. Um, I'm pretty, you know, I'm okay about playing overseas. Some guys, like when they go to a foreign country, they're like, they feel like they're on Mars. I was never that way. I've been to Taiwan a couple of times prior to that. Um, so it was, it was a tough one for me, man. I, I made a really bad decision, nothing to do with them. But my wife and I are about, we literally just had, our, she's now paying me a, a lot of money 
guaranteed. You know, it was on paper, it looked like a good idea. Man, I got over there and um, I'll, get, I'll tell you one story in a second. I got over there and from day one, I was like, I shouldn't be here. Like if I'm going to play <laughs> baseball, I need to be striving to get to the big leagues. My wife's always been like such a big supporter. If, it, if you have to go play indie ball to try and get your way back to the big leagues or whatever, go do it. But don't go sell yourself short playing you know, in Taiwan. Nothing, nothing against playing in Taiwan whatsoever. But it was more about, hey, like, you know, sh- shoot for the big leagues. That's what I've been doing my whole career. So um, anyway, <laughs> so I get over there. The expectations were through the roof, man. They wanted you to go nine shutout every single oh, wow. time because I played in the big leagues. And I'm like, dude, like my arm was hurting sometimes. I had some back issues. Breaking ball sucked sometimes. So literally, <laughs> I pitched the game. I'll never forget. The guy, the GM slash owner who knows nothing about baseball, right? <laughs> you can totally tell. Like he's just some like businessman, right? A little guy <laughs> walks around. And if he comes over and shakes your hand, it's a big deal. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to be just, you know, like uh, trying to be a character, whatever. And it's hard when you're going through a translator. So I got a pitch, I pitch in this game. I go seven innings, um, give up a run, like punch out 12. We win the game, right? Everyone's happy. Woo, you know, awesome. No one's getting fired or getting there. You know, all good. The, ki- the guy comes up to me the next day and I'm like, oh, he's walking over to me. Sweet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is awesome. He's coming to say hi, introduce himself. He walks over to the translator and he's like, oh, hey, just want to introduce I stand up. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And he says to me, he goes, oh, um, so-and-so. I don't even know who I'm facing half the time, like the names. He goes, oh, so-and-so, um, you walked him and then you gave up a base hit to someone's, like whatever the guy's name was. He was batting seventh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, man, I just hung a pitch, you know. He said, but he's only hitting 130. <laughs> You played in the major leagues and he, <laughs> and I'm like, and I said this and I never forget it, it, it upset him. I said, Hey, well, that's baseball. You know, something, you know, I hung a pitch and whack, got, got a base hit. Something you'd say in the States, you know, like a little cliche. He did not like that. That was basically saying, Oh, I don't care. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? He was mad that I'd given up a run, but given up a hit to a dude who shouldn't be getting a hit off me apparently. Wow. So I was like, Oh man, I said the wrong thing here. So he was, so the manager came over to me after that and was like, Oh, Hey, just be careful what you say, respect the game. But I'm like, man, I just said like, dude, I gave up a, a, a base hit. I was in my head. I was rattled, dude. The next, I was swimming. And the next time I got to bitch, I'm just like, I'm trying to be perfect. I'm like, yeah. man, if I don't go nine here, I'm getting, yeah, I'm, they're going to put me in a, in a jail cell or something. So <laughs> and I've given up like, it give up like a five spot and four rings. I'm like, oh man, put my head down. It was just, it's so different. I had friends on other teams throwing 140 pitches a game because they have to go eight innings. It was nuts, dude. It, it was different. That was, that's wow. for sure. But good experience. I just got two months in and I said, I walked in and said, guys, I shouldn't be here. Um, can I avoid the contract and go home? It's super weird. And it took me like two weeks to get the, you know, to get, get to, you know, basically get the balls to walk in and like peace out. It was bad. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then I just wanted to ask you a little about the current Mariners because one yeah. pitcher that I'm actually really intrigued by is Kikuchi. I know he just yeah. had a, he was scratched with the neck injury, but looks like he's lined up for the last start of this four game stretch yeah. and he might be facing Clayton Kershaw. So that, yeah. Well, I want to know a little about, about Kikuchi and then how the Mariners would – the batters would approach Kershaw. Dude, on, on, with Kikuchi on paper, it's 96 lefty with a massive, massive breaking ball. When you watch him pitch, it's like one little thing is out of whack and all of a sudden the tempo changes, he gets frustrated and hmm. all of a sudden Velo goes down to 94 
and he doesn't throw. He doesn't throw a breaking ball. He's three zero on every hitter. It's the most. It's the most weird, the weirdest thing. Yeah, he's a dude that um, I got a friend who's Japanese, and he sends me all this like Kikuchi stuff from Japan, stuff you just don't see over here. Um, about all this, you know, he's got some biomechanics expert guru back in Japan. He he's got like on retainer, <laughs> watching him like just all this madness. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you throw ninety six, like just you know, blow up by someone, just dump that massive breaking ball in for a strike, like. Like Kershaw, the guy you're going to face, pay attention to what he's doing because Kershaw just goes attack, attack, attack. I think with Yusei Kikuchi, nasty stuff. If he stays in that rhythm and he's in attack mode, dude, he can be really tough. The other thing is, I keep saying this, man, if he throws up in the strike zone, he's got a high spin on his on that fastball, pitch up in the zone a little bit, he's really uncomfortable doing that. It's, um, it's weird, man. Like they, it's, He goes through periods like last year trying to get him pitch up in the strike zone. But he's that guy. If if he's you know if he's backs against backs against the ropes and you know Mookie's coming up to hit or something like that, all of a sudden just he starts to you know freak out a little bit, and then mm-hmm. he tries you know trying to throw a dart and he gets hit hard, man. But stuff wise, nasty. If he can just get over that just a little bit, and then with with um, Clayton Kershaw, one of my favorite pitchers to watch ever. I love watching him pitch. Love him do his thing, doing his thing. Um, I got a buddy of mine who played for the Dodgers, Trent Olchin. Um, him and I, you know, we have a business together and he's, he's got Kershaw stories and hanging out with him and stuff like that. So, but, um, I, I think that the biggest thing, and, and again, I hate to say this as a development standpoint, but when you've got Evan White, Kyle Lewis, um, Dylan Moore, some of these young hitters in this lineup shed long, it's so good for them to get in front of, you know, they face Verlander first game of the season, getting to, getting to face Kershaw, nastiest lefty in the game, face him. You know, um, what, watch what he does when there's runners in scoring position. All these little things. I think it's going to be a really good test for him. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, hopefully, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Mariners here. Hopefully, they can do some damage. But all those little things, man, they need they need to see a guy like Kershaw and face him, face that that hook. You know, O two. That's for sure. Yeah, that's some that's that's some really good insight there and and good analysis on on what you're looking for from from the Mariners. I just right. had a I just have a question about the franchise overall and then sort of talking about this 2020 team. Obviously, the Mariners haven't made the playoffs since 2001. You yeah. guys have been hearing that forever. Yeah. Um, that 116 win team in 2001 historic. Um, what do you think is the biggest or what has been the biggest obstacle for them in terms of putting a contender on the field yeah. and are the fans frustrated or are oh, they yeah. sort of just complacent at this point? Frustrated massively. The Seahawks run this town right now. That's for sure. Um, you know, when, when you flick on the radio or whatever, th- th- this is honestly, this is a baseball town. If the Mariners can get back in the playoffs, boom, it's going to be whitewash of Mariners stuff. Fans are extremely frustrated. And I totally get it. They went through, you mentioned 2001, they had Pat Gillick as the GM. And then when I came up, it was Bill Bavese. Um, I, and then you had Jack Zarenzik. So you had a couple of these regimes where, where they didn't quite figure out what their identity was, to be honest. You know, the Dodgers right now, when, when, when the Dodgers started spending a ton of money, all of a sudden, they're this big market team. They have one of the best farm systems. They have an identity. They're the Los Angeles, obviously because of the history and stuff like that, but their current team, they have that identity that you know what you're going to get. Um, and, and how they play the game. And I guarantee you that tr- transcends throughout the double AA, A, triple A, all the way down. When you're watching you know, Bellinger and, and you're a young player and you're watching 
you know, Jock Peterson, Bellinger, the, the, those kind of guys. And then if you're watching Kershaw, you take that and go, this is how, uh, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is how a, do- a Dodger plays the game. The Mariners just never, honestly, when I was in the minor leagues, they were just trying to struggle to find that, the Mariners way of playing baseball. The Red Sox, I was with the Red Sox. Man, they have that to a T. The Yankees have that to a T as well. Um, some of the, the Oakland A's have that to it. They're a small market team, but that's how they play. This is how the Oakland Athletics play. They have a system. These guys come out of nowhere, and boom. Um, from Rays, and they, the Rays they, too. Rays, exactly. They draft. They have really good drafts, and they develop extremely well. The Mariners, I think, right now with this whole rebuild, they're trying to develop some sort of identity. When you had Jack Zarenzik, it was, you know, you have to be all in if you're going to go this direction. Be all in. Don't go all in, don't think you're going to go all in and kind of half-ass it and expect to win and then just shut it down. That's, it was like that year after year. If you're going to go rebuild, go rebuild all year long. I mean, sorry, go, go, go two feet in the whole, the whole way. That's what I think they're doing. And they're kind of sticking to it. Um, I, I get it. If you're a GM and, and you know, you're going to be on the chopping block two years in because the owner's are like, Oh man, my, you know, I want my, yeah, my, my cousins or whoever want to see this team win. And then they start, you know, Hey, let, let's start building a winner now. And the, 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 the farm system's not good. They have not had good drafts forever. Hopefully, that's changing the last couple of years. Hopefully, they can bring players in and develop the right way. So, they come up and they have an identity. Because right now, hopefully, they build that. You know, the Houston Astros did that there for a second. And they started winning. Hopefully, they can build, you know, some sort of identity, their own thing, and, and go from there. But, again, it was, it was always one foot in, one foot out. We're contending, uh, but we need to do that. You know what I mean? It just never really figured out what direction I'll go in. Yeah, it just seems like they constantly are going all in, like on big free agents, like a Robinson Cano or Edwin Encarnacion, and then they have to backtrack because that team didn't do well, and they exactly. got to get rid of all those yeah. players and then start over again. So yeah. I imagine with, it's pretty with, with frustrating. With no solid base, you know what I'm saying? They'll go and get a Robinson right. Cano, but what do you have underneath that? Yeah. You know, do you have a good farm system to back it up? Do you have good pitching the year you go out and get Robinson Cano coming through for the next three years? They didn't. So it was always like, yeah, the Robinson Cano thing, I'll be honest with you, is like make a big splash, make people happy, you know, so we can basically keep our job in the front office. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that ties into what you what you mentioned about Kalanick. Um, I mean, he could be that guy yeah. that you build around. And maybe that's right. why they're pushing so hard for, you know, him to be yeah. to be that sure. guy. And then you put him around, you know, long white, uh, you know, Crawford, all these yeah. guys. Uh yeah. so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch though. For yeah, sure. for sure. I mean, again, you know, rebuilding is so common now. It's so bizarre, like that. You know, the Red Sox are rebuilding. It's so weird to see that. But you know what? Everyone says, "Oh, we just rebuild, and in two years we're going to be studs." No, no, no. You have to develop these players. Like, how? What kind of respect do they have to the coaching staff? Do they listen? Uh, if you're giving them something to do, are they just going, "Oh no, I like this better when I was with the Mets." You know, when we were the Mets, we did this way, or how they co- all this stuff, or are these kids buying in? Oakland days, the kids, they buy in when they're in double A, triple A. This is the way we play baseball here. The Dodgers, that's what they have now. All the, but the Mariners, hopefully they have that. I don't quite know um, these last couple of years if they have that. And um, yeah, but you know, we'll see. Hopefully, again, hopefully there's enough there in the tank to, for them to be good in a couple of years. Definitely. All right, Ryan Roland Smith, thank you so much for joining us on the incline, man. This was awesome. Great insight. Love the stories about Ichiro. Yeah. The the Dodgers and Mariners start a four-game series tonight here in Los Angeles. And then they will split and go to Seattle, which is weird, but everything this year is weird. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on the pod, man. 
Of course, guys. Anytime. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. No worries. Hope you guys have a great rest of your season. And, you know, I wish the best as well to Next Gen Baseball. I oh, appreciate it, man. Thank you. See you guys. All, All right. right. Have a Bye. good one. All right, that was Ryan Roland Smith. Really cool interview. Love all the guests we're getting on the incline lately. That guy was super candid, super raw. And I really liked what he said about how the Mariners continue to rebuild and then they don't have an identity. I just thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I love that, that Ichiro content. Um, you know, I loved Ichiro growing up. It's so, in, so intrigued by that dude. And Basically, the insight he gave is kind of what I expected. Just a just a tactician prompt. The four eighteen for the four twenty stretches got me. That was hilarious. And also uh, the fact that he holds a grudge. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he put JJ Putts in his in his little black book and then cashed that in. Really insightful information right there. I have to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about the Seattle Mariners, and I think that's because they keep flipping their team over every two years. So very exciting to see what the Dodgers will do against this team i know the mariners are very young while the dodgers are very experienced and have a lot of veterans the dodgers as mentioned earlier were in seattle in 2018 Corey seager didn't play they beat the mariners two out of the three two of those wins were blowouts so we'll see what happens this go around but now we got to talk about the past because the dodgers are coming off a major sweep of the anaheim angels and something they haven't done ever if I'm not mistaken, was sweeping that team in Angel Stadium. So why don't we just That's talk crazy about to me. Yeah, why don't we just talk about real quick, what were our takeaways and, you know, what went right? Very little things went wrong. So, David, why don't you go first and break it down? Yeah, I think pretty much everything went right, um, you know, except for, you know, Rios getting a little banged up and, you know, a few little, little things there, some base running errors, um, you know, uh, Kershaw was dominant. That was awesome to see. That was probably his best start since, you know, 2017, I would say. Um, but overall, this team's just hitting now. And, and you know, guys are starting to get hot. Muncy's hot now. Bellinger's getting hot. Uh, and this team's going to be dangerous. If, if these guys are all hot at the same time, I don't see the Dodgers losing any series. Uh, you know, my man Dustin May pitched pretty well uh, the final game of the series. Pitched into some bad luck, some blue pits. You know, Muncy's made a little mistake on the field, forgetting how many outs there were, which prevented him from going deep into the game. Uh, but still, that that strikeout of Mike Trout was marvelous. Uh, this kid is a super, uh, future superstar, uh, and I can't wait to see how this team plays for the rest of the season if they can keep hitting like this. And speaking of strikeouts of Mike Trout, holy cow, yeah. Kenley Jansen. Can we just talk about him for a second? This dude looks like he gained his gained back his 2017 form. I mean, mm -hmm. three pitches, Mike Trout didn't take the bat off his shoulder. I mean, first of all, okay, first of all, Salty Dave uh, yeah. opted not to walk Mike Trout with the base open in extra can I, innings. Can I just say but, something real quick about that? I actually thought it would have been a huge mistake to walk Mike Trout. And the reason being is I think Anthony Rendon was just the hotter bat in that series. That's I fair. agree. There's I agree. arguments for both, I think. Yes. And, and what I was going to say is Anthony Rendon historically has killed us. So I understand. But Mike Trout's the best player on the planet. Right. You've got, you know, he's the go-ahead run at the plate because you've got to, you started the ending with a runner at second base. You got, you know, first base open. But let me just, let me just break this down for you. So, Three pitches, right? The first pitch, a 92-mile-per-hour cutter on the corner, up and away. 
Second pitch, 91 mile per hour cutter up in, up and in on the corner. Finally, a 94, 94 miles per hour from Kenley Jansen. That's not happened in forever. A 94 mile per hour four seamer on the corner, up in the way. The dude was painting, and Mike Trout couldn't do anything but look at those pitches. And if I'm an Angels fan and I'm watching that, the only good thing about my team is Mike Trout at the moment. And that's what he does Dylan Bundy. With, the, with the game on the line. Well, Dylan Bundy's good. Bundy's a wagon. Him. He was yes, not in the he, series. He's yes, Dylan Bundy is good. But I'm talking Which, about like yes, for the past couple of years, Mike yeah. Trout's been everything for them. To watch him go down like that has to hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't mention in my initial little rant was Walker Bueller. While if you look at the stats and the numbers from that game, not great. But if you watch the game and you compared it to his previous two starts, this was improvement. He had a bit better command. The, the fastball looked a lot better. Uh, and overall, I think he's on the right trajectory. Obviously, the numbers aren't great this year. Um, but if you, just, if you just go by eye test and you just go by you know, how he looks out there, I think this was improvement in my opinion. I'm not too concerned about Bueller you know, four starts from now. I think that's when he's really going to turn it on. We have the luxury, as David has pointed out in the past, if they score eight runs and the starters give up a few runs, then there's really nothing to worry about. And the Dodgers offense, they had to go to extra innings to get that win. Well, yeah, they have nothing. Yeah, I mean, they have nothing to worry about if they're hitting home runs. I just, I just want what, – what I think – I mean, obviously the, the offense is clicking right now, but they are hitting a lot of home runs. They have the most – I think most home runs in the majors right now. Um, they do. To me – like, I still want to see them manufacture runs a little bit more. I want, I want to see, you know, that they have that ability because when you're not hitting home runs, like we saw kind of earlier on in the season, it, it can get pretty bad. Yeah. And also, let's just talk about Mookie Betts for a second. Oh, my God. I mean, we, ha- we didn't bring him. We haven't brought him up in this conversation yet, but, yep. I mean, he was probably the MVP of that entire series. If he's, not, if he's not the leadoff hitter for the next 12 to 13 seasons, however long he's with us, I, I don't know what. I mean, he, if Dave Roberts ever moves him from that spot, the only, the only situation he should ever move him from the leadoff spot is if he's giving him a day of rest. Other than that, he should be, he should be leading off every single game, no matter who's pitching. I agree. Okay. And it's, it's not just because, you know, when you say when it's a leadoff hitter, you know, sometimes the leadoff hitter will only hit leadoff once during a game because of however the, the lineup rotates. But it's, it's honestly more than that. It's a state of mind. And, you know, he's comfortable in that position. Uh, statistically, you're, you're going to get more at-bats from that position, obviously. Uh, and it, it's not, you know, I've heard arguments where it's, oh, well, you're only going to lead off once per game maybe. But it's, it's more than that. It, it sets the tone for the entire game. It's a mindset. You're going to get more at-bats. And, you know, frankly, if you hit the nine, you know, your nine hitters traditionally your worst hitter. Um, I mean that in no offense to Austin Barnes. Um, so yeah, sometimes the lineup is going to turn over more and you probably will get more than one lead off at bat per game. Yeah, over Mookie's last seven games, he's batting 379 with four home runs and nine RBIs coming off that three game absence against the Padres. Right. Um, I mean, he's got to be the favorite for the NL MVP right now with the Padres kind of taking a tumble in Tatis. Corey Seager is not far behind. He had another three-run home run yesterday. 
But another guy that I want to talk about who's been pretty hot is Justin Turner. He has a 10-game hitting streak, and a player that's not so hot is Jock Peterson, who's now in a 1-for-28 slump, if not worse. I told you, once Turner hits that first home run, it's off to the races for uh, Red October. Since you just brought up the Padres, I want to recap the NOS standings real quick and get your guys' quick thoughts. The Dodgers are 16-7, and which is good for first place now. They're two games ahead of the Rockies who are 13-8. and eight. Arizona Diamondbacks have now slid into third. They're on a winning streak after sweeping the Padres. They're 11-11. Padres are in a familiar place, a fourth place. They're 11-12. And, and the Giants, they're in last place, and we don't have to worry about them. So what do you guys think just overall? Like, what's going on in the NLS? Any teams we got to worry about? Or is this now the Dodgers' point where they're just going to run away with the season? I think the NL West is being the NL West. I mean, just this is what they are. The Dodgers are the juggernaut of of the of the of the uh, the division, and that's it. I, I just I, I think what's happening is, and and the the Rockies have kind of faltered a little bit, but they are still strong. But I think the, the, these teams are showing their true colors, and I don't think that. Uh, Chris Paddock, if I can point him out, of the Padres is their guy. I mean, imagine if he Thank was you. actually like a, a, a Dustin May or a Walker Bueller. Like that team would be a lot better, I think. So I feel like what we're starting to see are the true colors of these teams. And even though they may have caught fire here and there overall, they're just they just don't match up to the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I still think the Padres are the team to watch in this division. Uh, in terms of well, do the Dodgers have to worry, uh, the answer would be no. I have an update uh, Chris, for you on the Padres real quick. Tommy Pham ahead. might be out for the season with a broken hand, and Emilio Pagan has not worked out thus far in the bullpen. Maybe they were better off with Hunter Renfro, who's actually doing quite well in Tampa Bay. Well, Pham was, Pham was playing pretty well before he got hurt, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah, like a total bust. Yeah, late last night. I was watching that. Um, but yeah, back to my point. Uh, the Padres are, are good. They, they have Tatis. They have Machado. Uh, if Yates comes back, their bullpen will be a lot better. <laughs> Not looking um, good for him they're, either. <laughs> they're hurting right now in terms of injuries for sure. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think the Rockies are going to make the playoffs too. They're, both, of these Rockies, teams, yes. both of these teams, you know, outperformed their abilities to start, no doubt. Uh, and they're kind of coming back down to earth right now. I still think both teams are solid, um, but I do think, you know, the NL West is, has been over before the season started. <laughs> and, yes, Chris Paddock is so overrated. Can I just say that now? Uh, this dude is dollar store Dustin May. Dustin May is what Padres fans think Chris Paddock is. Or what I'm Chris t- Paddock thinks he is. Yeah, I'm tired of, you know, the sheriff and his, you know, all this stuff. It's like – no man, like you're 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 solid, uh, but this this hype, this Chris Paddock hype, has got to end. He would be like the fifth best starter on the Dodgers, maybe, maybe. Fair, fair enough. Also, okay. the Dodgers just the, the Dodgers just have so much depth. I mean, they they can afford Jock Peterson going one for twenty eight. So yeah, you just don't like, play him, right? You don't play him, and you plug someone else in, and they and they and they perform. It'd be a shame to not mention this guy, so I have to do it right now. The way I can relate this is the way Dustin, or David feels about Dustin May, where he's been on the hype train for years now. Kybert Ruiz is that guy for me. In his first at-bat yesterday, he hit, he hit a home run. 
The switch hitting catcher is only 22. And I just have to say, I liked what he had to say post game. He was cracking jokes. This guy is the real deal. And if I'm Will Smith, I'm shaking because I think Ruiz is going to be their long-term catcher eventually. If Will, a, if Will Smith is shaking, what's Austin Barnes doing? Austin Barnes is not the long-term answer, but... For 20- I, yeah, it's funny because I actually posted that on, on Twitter yesterday and someone said, I think Austin Barnes would, should be the one that should be shaking his head or, or, or be, be in fear or whatever. But I think that the Dodgers are more comfortable with Austin Barnes as the backup catcher than they would be for Smith and Ruiz to, to, yeah. to be starter and backup. I don't think they're going to make that mistake they did last year. You know, Ruiz, he's going to have his short stint this year. And then when Will Smith's healthy, Ruiz will go back down to the alternative site. And yeah. He'll just play it by ear like that. I agree. That's, I think that's, the, that's what should happen. Uh, but in terms of the future, I think you're looking at a, you know, a, a two-headed monster behind the plate there. I think, you know, Ruiz maybe might get the bulk of starts versus – uh, right-handed pitchers and, and Smith gets lefties. Uh, this and le- they just drafted another catcher too, Carson Taylor. Uh, I mean, this they're they're wealthy behind the plate. Definitely, this was a position for years. The Dodgers had no one <laughs> in the farm for catchers, and now they're just loaded. So, I think we're gonna wrap up the show pretty soon. You know, the Dodgers swept the Angels, as we mentioned earlier, which I actually found a surprise. They always seem to struggle against this team, but the bad man, David called him, Calhoun is gone. I told you, you can come out now. The dragon's been slayed. (laughs) After Seattle, I believe they play the Rockies, and that should be an exciting series. Mm -hmm. First time these two teams will be facing off this season, and it will be at Dodger Stadium. So why don't I just get your guys' closing thoughts, and then that'll be the show today. I just wanted to point out one more thing about the Angels series that, that kind of scared me in terms of uh, Dave Roberts in a short se- in a short series because what happened to Edwin Rios was could have been catastrophic and so in yesterday's game in the second inning Rios hit a two out double and pulled up lame at second base with uh, what appeared to be a hamstring injury ended up being a hamstring injury as he slid into second base. Roberts went out there with the trainer. They had a discussion. Ultimately, Rios said something to convince them that he was healthy enough to stay in the game. Big mistake. Here's the thing. In a 60-game season, you don't want one of your depth guys to be injured or any of your players to be injured for a long period of time, especially the way Rios has been swinging the bat. So Roberts put his own player in danger by leaving him out there and possibly making the injury even worse. What ends up happening is, is Matt Beatty hits a ball in the, in the right center field gap for some reason, couldn't make it to second base. But Rios was hobbling around third base, and Beatty gets tagged out near second base before Rios can cross the plate. So mm-hmm. bad base running on Beatty's part, obviously, to not recognize, okay, we've got a slow runner rounding third. Let me get into a pickle or a rundown or something like that. But then on top of that, just, just the fact that Rios couldn't score – and possibly could have injured himself even more. Now, the Dodgers scored eight runs, so it, ended up, it didn't end up mattering. But, but the one thing that I wanted to point out was the fact that we, if we're not hitting home runs, these are the types of runs that we do need to cash in when we can. And not to mention, to start out that inning, Chris Taylor got picked off. So yeah. those, those are two potential runs that we could have had in that inning. It that didn't looked like end a up, block, though, to be fair. Right, right. It did look like that. However, 
it just, it bothered me. It, it, it got under my skin. And if I'm Dave Roberts in that scenario, you got to protect your players and take Rios out in that situation. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, my final thoughts would be this, the, this entire month schedule uh, is pretty easy. They got four with the Mariners. Uh, they got three with the Rockies, three with the, three with the Giants, and then three with the Rangers. Uh, so this, you know, the division should be wrapped up by the end of this month, in my opinion, which brings me to my next point. If Rios goes on the DL, I think it's time to get Gavin Lux up because this dude is a talent, obviously. The, the raw power, the, the skills are there. But if you're planning to have him on the postseason roster and contribute in the postseason, you've got to get him at, at bats in the regular season. Uh, they should have a comfortable lead in the division, you know, within a week, two weeks. Uh, but, you know, you got guys like Zach McKinstry. Yes, I think that's those. Those are the two guys they're going to you know, decide between uh, if Rios has to go on the uh, I.L. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's time to bring Gavin Lux up. You got to decide, you know, relatively soon if this is a guy you're going to be considering for the playoff roster. I mean, he was the rookie favorite for rookie of the year going into the season. We've seen him produce. We've seen him hit a home run in the postseason. So I think it's time. I think you know what you have with McKinstry. You have another Chris Taylor. You have another, you know, Kike Hernandez type player. But we we haven't really seen Gavin Lux in a full, you know, full scale role. Um, the one the one thing that would be difficult is with this lineup. Are you going to be able to get him consistent at bats? Uh, and if you're not, then maybe it is smart to keep him down. But, you know, the clock's ticking on Gavin Lux here. They got to make a decision soon. I agree. And I feel like the decision could be easier if the minor leagues were playing baseball games because then you can stay sharp. So you got to make that decision. I think think you're right, David. You got to bring him up. Even if you don't get him, you know, as many at-bats as you think he needs, having any major league at-bats against, you know, major league pitchers in real scenarios, not just these simulated games or whatever they're doing on the alternate site – that's crucial. A hundred percent. I mean, he can't just be, you know, taking repeated at bats against friend of the podcast, Josiah Gray, you know, every day, <laughs> uh, you know, while, you know, that's great. And Josiah is a, you know, a stud uh, you got to see, you know, a variety of other major league pitchers. Yeah. It certainly hurts that we can't track these guys progress because in my opinion, you have to go with the guy who's ready. Now this is yeah, a 60 I mean, game. The clocks, the, the clocks taking on this season. I mean, we, we got, yeah. you know, a month and a half left. So, you know, normally, you know, if let's say he was a September call-up last year, that's, you know, we're approaching that, that same window of time. Uh, so it's just a matter of if, if they're planning on having him contribute in the postseason. And, you know, the longer this goes, I think the, the less chances there are. And, I mean, that's fine. If they're, the offense is going to continue to be consistent against right-handed pitching, you know, We'll highlight this another time, but right now they're struggling against left-handed pitching and the trade deadline is coming up in two weeks. So I'm sure a week from now, we're going to start throwing out some rumors if there are any, but uh, yeah, my, my final thoughts are the Dodgers are playing well. I don't have much to complain about. I'm excited to see Tony Gonsolin get another start Tuesday against the Mariners. He hasn't given up a run all season long. Ross Stripling, this could be, his last start potentially in the rotation with Alex Wood looming because right now they have a six man rotation and I don't know if they want to do that all season long. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Dave Roberts does and how he adjusts 
this team in a short season. Two biggest threats to the Dodgers World Series hopes. What are they? Dave Roberts and hitting with runners in scoring position. I agree. I, 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 to Kevin's point, too, just uh, to piggyback off that, like Ross Stripling, I think if he has a quality start, six innings, three runs, he is going to be in that rotation once Wood comes back. And I think the odd man out is probably going to be Tony Gonsolin, unfortunately, even though I think the three of us would agree that Gonsolin should stay in the rotation. Oh, I agree. And I, I said this at the end of the last week's episode. Uh, you know, what's going to happen if, they, if they're planning on putting Wood back into the rotation is Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin is going to be the casualty. That's just how this team operates. That's how, you know, they've done it for a couple years now is they favor these guys. Uh, and frankly, it's not what I would do. You know, May and Gonsolin have proven their worth uh, and they've, you know, clearly the more talented options. Uh, but I think they'll, they'll go with the more seasoned options instead. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Incline, one of your top Dodgers podcasts out there. Make sure to follow Dodgers Lowdown. Follow us on Twitter. You'll see our handles in the link below. This Dodgers team looking to extend their five-game winning streak, and their team ERA is just rolling right now at 249. So we're very excited to see what they do in the future. And also, again, thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Really awesome analysis you brought. All right, we're out. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.